From building companies to burning out, this is the really, really. All right. Well, you'll let you kick it off. Well, let's get rolling. So you guys, you guys have floated the Boise River before. Have you? Have you both had that experience? So I've, either never, of you? I've actually never floated it. Um, I've I've fly fished plenty in it and cursed out the floating, but I can say <laughs> I bet that's right up your alley is the floating. The floaters are cursing out the fly fishers too. Of so course. it's it's quite the rivalry yeah, you got yeah. going on. I how, would imagine how it's, how it's crowded. I have not floated the Boise River yet. Oh so Yeah. Yeah. I for me, like I, I want a little more action to it. Yeah. So, you so, know, the ADD starts to kick in and I'm looking for the squirrel and then I... I yep. Yeah. I get I that. Absolutely. Well, get a load of this. I had a completely new experience on the Boise River. And for those for those of our listeners who are not in Boise, we have a lovely, gentle river that flows through town and is, during the summer months, packed with people floating on rafts, getting drunk even though they're not supposed to. Usually nobody dies. Right. That does happen on occasion, but usually safety is is thrown to the wind before that happens. My experience over the last weekend was not actually floating the river. It was standing next to the river with powerful water guns and spraying the people who are floating by on the river, which at first starts out with this sort of like, you know, like this kind of tongue in cheek, like nightclub sort of like the vibe. you brand, you know, you brandish your weapon and you give them like a good look and you see you see how they look back. Right. If they smile, then, you know, you give them a good misting or whatever. Little Scarface. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Say hello to my little friend. That's, that's right. right. There you go. I definitely did that. There was <laughs> I don't doubt that. But, you know, but eventually the power just goes to your head because there's nothing they can do, right? So they're just like, what are they going to do? Like drag their raft to the edge of the river and then waddle over and beat your ass? Wow. It's not going to happen. So it's just, so eventually you start just spraying everybody and it's some Which of is the incredibly ironic because you are a student of power. <laughs> from a very progressive sense from an ethical standpoint right, yeah. yeah and so this and so you've now tasted it and, i know <laughs> and you can see how politicians and anybody else with power can get how it's in there it's fun and i'm now fully corrupted yeah so this is probably gonna leak out into all of the other versions of my life but i i, I am wondering though since it was 147 degrees last week did anybody <laughs> thank you yeah you but, know about half of them thanked yeah. me and you know a, a few other people kind of smiled and like i mean it's misting you know it's yeah. it's like kind of nice and then some people on rafts also have guns and so you get like these standoff drive, situations kind of a raft to drive by yeah exactly yeah. that's right will. and they hide the will. guns until they get real close to you yeah. and then it's and then it's on but you know three people did call me an asshole yeah. and i i was and okay fair. with that yeah fair yeah, fair, fair enough I, I decided it was a benign enough abuse of power that i could indulge it for recreation so well on that note I guess we'll start. <laughs> we always like to to dive into the mind of Dom. He's always got interesting things. Uh, almost all of you live your life in an incredibly interesting way, which uh, makes for good content. Introducing our guest, we've got Mike Self, managing director and founder of Stage.O here in Boise. Mike, thanks for coming in with us. This is great. You bet. Yeah. As as I told you before, long time listener, first time caller. That's great. So he's he's one of our ten. Yeah. 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 And now that you have that perspective and we didn't, you know, you're one of the first guests that we didn't necessarily have like a prior, neither of us had a prior established relationship with you before this. So since, since we didn't start with that, I'm really interested in knowing what you didn't like about some of the episodes of the really, really. Oh, maybe the one we talked about studio model. 
I get one where we called you fast, a studio model. Fast yeah. forward yeah. to that one, probably. <laughs> well, I mean, it was that one. I would call that one interesting because <laughs> we don't call ourselves a studio, but but you know, that's that's part of you know you know why we're here today to kind of chat a little bit about what we have going on, and then and then also uh, you know we can talk about you know why why Idaho for us and. It was a little unconventional yeah. uh, for us to Well, let's start there. Well, you know, why, why stage.o? Why here? Um, well, let me kick off my background. Oh, yeah. So Absolutely. Because it rolls into stage.o. So back, back when I went to the University of Washington, I, I'm actually wearing some, some swag here. Um, and uh, just in case that you guys decided to put this on TV, I wanted to have my, <laughs> my husband stuff on. But but uh, I actually was going down the road to being a college basketball coach. That's what I wanted to do. And, you know, it, you know, a lot of coaches that are, are good enough to be on the team, but not good enough to really contribute, turn out to be good coaches. Oh, yeah. And I was going, so I was going down that road and for various reasons. In the early 90s, there was a pretty bad recession in the, in the U.S. And so the NCAA cut out one of the coaching positions when I was coming out to be a coach. And, and I had student loans. I paid my way through school. And I'm the youngest of five kids. And, and my, my sister, uh, Susan, had moved to New York and worked on Wall Street. She was a sales trader. And so I went back to New York City for the first time to visit her. And I remember walking on the trading desk and I'm like, I think I can do this. Like this didn't feel outside of my lane. And at that time, anyone flying at 22 years old, flying to New York City from Seattle was a bigger deal than what it is today. Everyone was just more regional in thought. And so I thought, well, you know, I can move back here. And, you know, the worst case scenario is I'll have New York City on my on my resume. And, you know, there was a, a small growing software company called Microsoft that I knew would probably hire me if I needed to move back to Seattle. And, and so I ended up Ended up working on Wall Street, and, and serendipitously, I ended up with with a uh, technology investment bank that was based out of San Francisco, but had a New York office called Hambrick and Quist. And Bill Hambrick and George Quist uh, were really one of the first two VCs rolling around Silicon Valley writing checks. Right, so they wrote Steve Jobs' first check, and then they brought Apple public, Adobe, so on and so forth. So I ended up working for them. Ironically, at that time, no one in New York thought that there was anything going on in San Francisco. And so they recruited me back out to the mothership. And and so that happened in 1995. Very good timing to work for a technology investment yeah. bank. So, you know, story of folklore, the the first deal I did, I, I, I brought companies public. And then at that time, prop books for the banks were managed on the desk. At that time, they called them Chinese walls. Today, that's not you know, appropriate, but, but it, you know, that's what it was in between investment banking and, and trading. And yeah. They were paper mache at best. You know, I would go to closing dinners and meet the founders. And you're just you know, really, really involved in it, in, in that process. But, but the first deal I, I actually did was Amazon, believe it or not. And it was, it was just because I was from Seattle. Oh, nice. <laughs> and, and yeah. they, they thought, so it's kind of a uh, story for folklore. We could- Did you get some do, carry? We could do it. No, no I wish. But uh, yeah, we could do a whole other podcast on <laughs> companies that went to zero too. Yeah, so, totally. uh, so, yeah, this is part of the, uh, part of the process. Uh, yeah. I will say that I, I I didn't think at the time I didn't think Amazon was that was that great of an idea. I'm like, why the hell would I take me 20 minutes to dial up onto the internet to order a book and have it show up five days later when I can go down to Barnes sure. and Noble? So, right, and it was just a bookstore at that point. It was just a bookstore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and pre tech bubble, pre tech bubble. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. Like I look back, like a lot of people didn't use the internet because it was just so fucking hard to get on. Yeah, it. yeah. Like the err, you know, the AOL kind of deal. Oh yeah. So, anyways, needless to say, it was, it was that was great. We ended up selling in November of '99 to Chase, and then Chase bought J.P. Morgan. 
And so when that happened, they moved, I was part of a management team in San Francisco and they moved us back to New York right after 9-11. And that was when I really realized what I liked. And that was, that was being around entrepreneurship, right? All, all of a sudden I was in a, in a really big bank, you know, in the logo coffee mug and the canvas bag and the dividend check. Yeah, it just yeah. wasn't for me. Like, I'm like, I was like a fish out of water. And so I ended up moving back to Seattle and I ran a small cap hedge fund in the public market. So, you know, we were fairly, uh, we kind of call ourselves collaborative activists. <laughs> so, <laughs> Clever. Kind of, you know, our, our, yeah, kind of our kill zone was, was companies that went public, stubbed their toe, everybody tax loss sold the company. And we would come in and say, look, you got to do these things to be a, a better public company. And so we were, became kind of took five to 10% positions and became kind of friends. Okay. Yeah. And then really, you know, with kind of the adaptation of Sarbanes-Oxley and as regulation went up, companies just decided we're not, the juice isn't worth the squeeze to go public. And so they, as they started, so the venture capitalists said, okay, well, we'll just raise bigger funds and leave you private longer. And so as that started to happen, our kill zone of companies we were interested in, all that action was going on in the private market. That and the fact I was, I was pretty burned out. That'll do it. Yeah. I mean, as much in the public market, as much as you think you know about what's going on with the company, you don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah. Like you find out on the quarterly call and it's like, I just got sick of the Disneyland roller coaster ride. You know? So I like to say (laughs) we had top quartile returns. I was not living a top quartile life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so you retired in, and uh, from that in 2016, 15, 16. And the co-founder of Stage Auto, Devin Wade, and I, we played basketball together growing up. He was a five-time VC-backed entrepreneur. His last company is a company called Roofstock, which is right around unicorn status. Just about everything is these days. But, you know, it was a Coast Lebane, light speed, canvas-led, yep. you know, company. And so, so he was the, the head of product for that, uh, now the founder of Crave. And... Um, we started co-investing together and he took me out for a happy hour one day and said, look, we have a problem. I go, what's that? And he said, well, we're investing at ideation and commercialization MVP, that range. And the, the series A's are moving so far away from the entrepreneur that they're, the rails that used to be in place aren't really there anymore. And he was right. He's like, I know you and I are going to continue to write checks. So we better do something about this. Like let's formalize. I'm like, okay. So, that's kind of, that's how Staged Auto started. It was just kind of like, okay, let's figure out how to get our companies to the Series A. These Series A's are getting pushed so far out. There's some statistics that will tell you, you have over a 90% chance for a positive liquidity event if you're a pre-Series A investor and you get to the Series A. Wow. Yeah, does that, that metric still hold? Yeah. It's, it, well, it's holding more because the With A's the are getting- the yeah, yeah. Well, the, and the, you know, the, the bigger the A, the more capital you have and the farther the, the, farther the company is moved along, which is creating this bigger problem of how do you, how does, and how, where are the rails to get the entrepreneur from commercialization to that series A? Right. Right. And by the way, I mean, most, you know, term sheets, et cetera, you have a one times pref. So if you throw that in there, that makes sense why if you're pre series A, you got a good shot of a yeah. positive. It's, si- it's a significant milestone yeah. for everybody. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let, I mean, we'll, we'll go into the Wayback Machine here and I'll, you know, we'll go back to the 90s. And in Silicon Valley, a Series A was a one on a five. Wow. One on a five. You maybe did a Series B. Most most of the time you did. And then you went public. Yeah. That's a, it's, that's changed. Right? So the whole, the whole venture cap, but what's going on in that private market it's become extremely dynamic, right? I mean, most big venture funds are really growth funds. Yep. And then, you know, there's kind of this wide 
swath of how do entrepreneurs get to that point? So that's how Stage Auto started. Our first fund was geographically agnostic. So we invested from Seattle to, to London, which goes back to why we don't consider ourselves a studio. Gotcha. Model. You know, we were in, we invested in London, New York, Boston, Austin, Denver, Seattle, and Los Angeles. And so we learned a lot, right? Yeah. One of the things we learned is that a million bucks doesn't go very far in a big tech ecosystem. And we really started bumping up to that. And so we're like, boy, we should start checking out Mountain West cities. It's a great place to live. And it's close to the West Coast tech hubs. So um, Boise, Idaho is our first stop. My brother, operating partner at Stage.O, is the chief administrative officer at St. Luke's, has lived in Idaho basically his adult life. So I've been coming here for a long time. And uh, he lives up on El Paseo, and we look out uh, over the the um, city of trees. Yeah. And I kept telling him, like, David, this place is going to have its day, you know. And it's just, it, it has all the ingredients, right? You know, legacy technology company here, which is a big thing. If you look at other big tech hubs, they all had them, right? That's why Austin became Austin, because of Dell. Yeah. It does. Yeah. yeah and and we've, we've talked about that Salt Lake sort of the three letter agencies and and the you know just the proximity to the founding sort of you know founding companies kind of helping create this i think simplot and was it simplot and micron here shook hands and sort of birth or began to birth what we what we're experiencing now right yeah 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 so so we this was our first stop in doing due diligence and and like a lot of people that come to boise idaho you don't leave and that's basically what happened. I mean, it was, it was literally that organic. We're like, wow, well, we need to meet with the, we were fortunate because my brother is here and is involved in the community. So we we're able to meet with a lot of folks. Yeah. You know, we're, we're still waiting to have a bad meeting in Boise. Like it's just, it's, and so basically we are like, wow, there's five more people that we need to meet with. We'll, we'll come back in two or three weeks and meet with them. And then, you know, after about like six trips, <laughs> we started to realize we're like, uh, you, you know, I, I think that there's a there there. And, and, you know, we, we also thought that the timing was really right. And for, for the problem that we're trying to solve, uh, we think it makes sense in, in every ecosystem, but thought that it, it could really make sense here, you, you know, and, and how to kind of be the tender, the tender boat to the cruise ship, right? Yeah. And so, so that's well, well, um, Specifically point. what, I guess what, we, we just asked a couple people locally what questions they might have because, you know, it's a new concept and you know, there's just, and uh, it's kind of, like anything new here, I think it's it's sort of masked in in some of a mysterious way. Uh, I, I can raise my hand and say I was the, uh, I can I felt the similar way. What is the specific value prop do you think today to to the founder here? Yeah, so uh, so we're very specific in what we look for. We fund by practitioner for practitioner entrepreneurs. So like the ideal founder for us is someone that's been in an industry, knows it really well, understands the pain point de-risk the product market fit for us, right? And then most importantly, has the relationships to get the flywheel going, right? So as we like to say, we want our capital to be investment capital, not tuition. Huh. So interesting way to say that, yeah. Yeah. And and we're not saying that our way is the only way, but but that it's what works for us. And so what we do is we come in, we give the entrepreneur what we call a big giant bear hug, right? So the most valuable you know, in 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 early stage company building, you know, you're your biggest friend and foe is time, depending on on how you use that, right? So we learned a lot in our first fund. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, we wrote a million dollar check to a company in our first fund. We have weekly meetings with our companies. And the, the, the first meeting we had, he said, I'm so stoked. I just hired a rock star CMO. 
And I'm like, for what? Like we're <laughs> we're like like we're trying to sprint towards an MVP. Like what are we marketing? <laughs> you know, and uh, you know those people are very expensive. Yeah, right. That's a big risk. We talk about it a lot with Stage Fit. A huge risk. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So we, you know, as we come in, we anything that's that we view as being com- essential to a business but commoditized, we try and get economies of scale around that, and and so we can free our entrepreneurs up from a mental capital perspective to be able to go out and sprint as fast as possible. And then we milestone base invest. So we agree on what a milestone is. Company hits the milestone. It's us together trying to hit the milestone. They get more capital from us at a higher valuation. And then, you know, we we have, you know, in between two and three million dollars to co-invest at the Series A. So the problem we're solving is to get the entrepreneur funded through the highest quality Series A, the best fit for that entrepreneur on the funding path. So if if the company is is succeeding and keeping the trains running on time, so to speak, they don't really have to worry about capital. Like we kind of handle that, which is a significant burden to take off of, of, a, of a founder theoretically. Like that's especially here uh, in these kind of I would say flyover ecosystem. Dom hates that, but um, <laughs> is that is that right there? Is the not knowing much or anything about raising it and certainly not having a network to do it. Well, maybe, and maybe in particular for, if you're talking to by practitioner for practitioner kinds of, kinds of companies. So then in, in that dynamic, when the person that is leading the company has been in the industry, they have familiarity with the problem and they have a familiarity with the people who are going to be using their solution to solve the problem. What are the things you're referring to that could be commoditized? Everything on the operation side. So, you know, we're basically, it's like a virtual COO. So they don't have to worry about any of that stuff, right? You know, those those are the sorts of things that you can take off the table for an entrepreneur, like the amount of hours that are saved, it de-risks our investment, right? So, you know, those things aren't free for us to provide, but it's a significant cost savings. This is about trying to invest our capital as wisely as possible. And then on the flip side, you know, when when you know everything that's going on with the company, there's no surprises, right? Yeah, you're totally on the you're literally on the day to day inside through the whole journey, or at least through that journey to the A. Yeah, I mean, look when when we go and you know our investors, we tell them we're responsible for the outcomes of these companies. Wow. Okay, so this is not, you know, oh, you know, 37 percent of our businesses are going to go out of business, and that's just fine, and we're kind of in this spray and pray, give everybody 500 grand, and hope one's Airbnb. <laughs> There's nothing the matter with indexing. I'm not saying that, yeah. that, but what the problems that we're solving, we've just kind of narrowed that down. And and it, look, it's taken time for us to get here, but it it like I said, it 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 works. And then you know I'm kind of a big, the you know performance never goes out of style, right? So it, either the strategy is working or you got to change the strategy. So far, yeah, how's it working? We've we've had nice success. So. Um, you know, certainly, certainly from, you know, from fundings, right? So our, you know, our, our, we made our last investment in our first fund kind of end of 2018. So we had about a two year investment period. And so we have one acquisition, two companies through the series B and, you know, you guys know the alphabet, right? You, you know, the next, the next yeah, letter yeah. that's coming. So that there, those are both close for that. Um, and then two more through the series A and then because we milestone base invest, the you know three or four companies that didn't perform quite as well, we'll still get capital back there, but they were, you know, about eight percent of the of the overall fund. 
As you're looking at your 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 LP structure, is it um, are they your pitch to them? Uh, are they invested in uh, in part in this current fund, or are there is there just some alignment and kind of agreement on metric that because I, I, if I remember correctly, most funds uh, this is honestly it's a brilliant way to do it because if you can wire the capital structure, a, a smaller group of people make more money, um, and you know again it's there's a, you can either invest in the apple or you can create the orchard. Yeah. And, you know, so is that proposition to the LPs, uh, are they in with you at the beginning or is that just a conversation you have as the company goes along? Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, look, how, how we did the Boise Fund isn't how we would do funds going forward. We, we understood that, you know, I, I call it instead of flyovers ecosystems, <laughs> I call it fly to ecosystems. Oh, now. that's a better you one than mine. that, right? It's oh, fly God. to. People are flying to Boise. They're not flying over, you know, so um, yeah. especially with what's happening. The, the pandemic years. might have ha- yeah. might have helped with that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Dom will like your wording better than mine. Yeah, yeah, I, I might. With, it's a, with certainty. It's a little bit too satisfying, though. Yeah. I'm a little <laughs> bit skeptical of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So we, look, we were cognizant of, of, you know, there's kind of that viewpoint. You're either driving in on the 84 or out on the 84. And so uh, we wanted local buy-in from local investors first. Um, Makes sense. And we wanted, to, we wanted to get a couple of companies funded. I mean, I think that, that the whole thought of having a venture fund specific to Idaho today feels a lot better than what it did in 2018. I bet. You know, yeah. we had people that were like, hey, you know, why don't you put the crack pipe down? Yeah, um, totally. I'm sure you got that. Yeah, yeah, and that's fine. I mean, you know, it, you know most things that are disruptive, you, you know, um, so, um, funny, yeah. I was just telling Dom a quote. If anybody wants to read a great book, uh, "Playing to Win" is a is a favorite. Talking about category construction and being category kings, and I was just telling Dom earlier the best quote out of there was, uh, "Innovation to most people seems brilliant, but disruption seems very stupid uh, until it's done." And I think that's probably a little bit what you're alluding to here. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. it's a good book. Please yeah. read it. Yeah. So, so we were cognizant about that. So we didn't it was a little different method to the madness, but, but for a reason. And then the other part was we wanted to get a physical presence here. So that people are like, Oh, you know, I mean, we were squatting at the Oahe for a long period of time. You guys were neighbors. Yeah. Of, yeah. We, I noticed yeah. you guys are, you guys are just meeting people in the lobby. Yeah, of the we're just hanging office out. Building. We, were, we were just, we were hanging out. We, were, we definitely tested the squatting rights of the state of Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> we might funny. have surpassed that, but, um, but you know, we were, we were just waiting. 110 Main was, was just kind of the perfect spot for it. And I, I visited a, a venture capitalist in, in Austin called Silverton and they were in an old Georgian home. And I remember walking in, I'm like, oh man, like this is, this is, we need to have our offices here. And then it, it just kind of evolved into like, wow, well, we should have our companies in here. Yeah. Cause if we're going to be here and elbow to elbow and like, why not? And so that, that's, that's kind of how, how all that was born. And so we're doing the second part of the, of the raise right now for the, for the Boise fund. And we're close on a company perspective. The fund's close to being full. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that still it, mainly uh, local money oh, or local to Idaho. Uh, we're going outside okay. now yeah. as well. So it's a combination of both. Yeah. You know, so, and, and, you know, look, you, you, um, you know, like, like Andrea cracks me up, you know, everyone was giving Andreessen Horowitz a hard time, like in 2017, like you're underperforming. They're like, um, okay, well venture takes a little while. So yeah, give us a couple more years here. I, I don't think anybody's telling them they're underperforming, right. underperforming now. So, you know, they, they talk about that J curve where, you know, cause your marks, you know, you're in the private market. You have to have priced rounds or different things to be able sure. to, to be able to mark a portfolio. And but we've to this point we've avoided the J part. 
and I don't think that that's repeatable. I, I think some of that's just, I think that there's some luck involved there, you hmm. know, kind of some of those those early investments, you know, really, really executed. And, and quite frankly, you know, a lot of those were disruptive companies that, that did benefit from the pandemic. So, And yeah. do you think market cyclicality played a role in, because in, in, you're doing it very hands-on and you're taking, uh, you know, theoretically, a lot of the risk out by injecting uh, uh, ex- operational expertise along the way. Um, does market cyclicality play a role in some of those returns or some of those marks? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I, I just wrote our mid-year letter, so uh, so I'll give you a little snippet into into one of those. Yeah. I said, uh, like Joe Lonsdale from ABC, you know, said, "Look, it's always a great time to invest in in early stage," and we mostly agree with that because you always have a headwind tailwind scenario, mm-hmm. right? So right now, capital's relatively easy. Right, if you're executing as a venture-backed company, you can find capital right now, mostly. Yeah. Right, the, you know the flip side of that is that that makes the labor market extremely tight. Yeah. Right, so, so you know all of a sudden you know, you know what happens too. We talk about the rails that used to be in place when you just go Series A, Series B, and go public. Well, now it's like you're fighting to live another day till you get your Series A done, and now all of a sudden you have ten million dollars in the bank, right. and and the your Series A investor is like. Okay, you have 18 employees. You need to be at 78 by the end of the year. Yeah. Right. Like we're like we're throwing gasoline on this fire, and you're like, what? Right. Right. And so in this environment, trying to scale up, you know, it's just finding the intellect intellectual capital is a major headwind right now. Major. It's probably hmm. collectively between the two funds we added it up. We have over 300 job openings. Wow. Right? Yeah. So. And it's just in that, you know, in that in that technical professional space, right? So, which, which hiring is probably among, if not the biggest risk post investment. I mean, I've written no about doubt. this where, you know, capital finds a really capital doesn't fix any problem. It's essentially a magnifying glass or an amplifier about what's going on in the company. And if there's a lot more bad going on than good, capital finds that and builds on that. It doesn't go and help fix anything. Yeah, money. Yeah, that's right. I mean, my uncle used to always say, you know, money doesn't solve problems. It, it can create new ones. There you go. You know, so, d- depending on what you what you do with it. And then just just on that headwind tail, when, yeah. you know, when you're in a recession, capital's tighter, but you can find people, huh. right? So you're always operating in that headwind tailwind scenario. The most important thing is it's a plan, yeah. you know, and, right. and be honest, you know, about that. So I think that that's something that we bring to entrepreneurs just because of, my background, that's what I did for a living, you know, being in the public markets. Like that's, I'm constantly freaked out about that, actually, <laughs> to tell so, you the truth. So with that in mind, I mean, is it, I, I mean, certainly I, I get that Series A investors are going to come in and like suggest some some changes be made. Um, and I assume like tripling the size of your company is not something that they put down on paper. It's just a soft suggestion. But does that sound does that sound kind of crazy to take a company that has 18 employees and and just put employees as the number that you want that to that you want to increase from there? Yeah, I mean, I, I say that kind of in jest, you know, mm-hmm. where it's not like, hey, you know, all of a sudden there's a, you know, there's not like the the guy at Costco with the clicker, you know, carrying right. employees. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. Know, you, you have because it, because it comes down to like, hey, look, these are the these are the roles we need to fill. Right. 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 And you know, if we're going to grow this into being, you know. $10 million in ARR and you're an enterprise, like, you know, there's a certain number of BDRs, certain amount of AEs, certain amount, like there's just, that infrastructure has to get in place, right? So that is getting elongated out. Right. That process is getting elongated out. And it goes back to what I talked about. Like the the concept of not having money to having money is one of the biggest issues 
for entrepreneurs today. And that that didn't exist 20 or 30 years ago. It was just smoother kind of, you know, over time. And there were rails put in place. If you're a public company, there are certain things you have to do. In the private market, like it's, you're you're an entrepreneur sitting out there. It's it's daunting. It's like the, you know, Wayne's world, game on, game off. Like what? we have, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden you check the bank account the next day, like, okay, all the hopes and dreams and things that we talked about doing, but we we're really just fighting to, to, for another day. Now, now, like we got to go, we got to go do them. Right. Right. I mean, literally like before this, I was having a conversation with one of our entrepreneurs. He's like, we're trying to fill a particular engineering position. And he's like, well, he wants 10,000 more than what, what we want. What I'm like, I'm like, you're in Seattle, Washington. Just hire the guy. You pay it. Yeah, just hire him. Like, yeah. You the, don't look back after the accident and say, I wish somebody would have paid somebody right. 20 grand less. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. But, but you know, he's that entrepreneur is still close enough to his Series A round where he still has PTSD from like, well, how do we get, like, are we going to have enough? I'm like, just go check the bank account. Like, this is why everything you work <laughs> for, now you actually get the opportunity to go scale it. So I, I agree with you. This is, it, it, it's, um, it's not willy-nilly hiring. Right. It's backed by something. Or it's oh, in, yeah. in, a... in need to support some greater metric. That's right. And and I would actually say, you know, these because the money, you know, the more money there is in a transaction, the more due diligence there is, the more planning, the more pro formas, the more like, I mean, this, you get into a $10 million round, it's, it's no joke now. Like it's, you're going into it. So- so that's something else that we provide. We kind of operate as kind of a quasi-investment banker, right? So we've just seen that movie. And so we have a, um, I would say about half of our rounds that get done are getting done by by VCs reaching out to, to our companies because the data is so good, right? You know, so so all of a sudden they'll kind of hit a million in ARR or something. And, you know, the entrepreneur will be like, hey, Insight and Andreessen. Well, yeah, the they, scouts are out. Yeah, and, they, yeah, yeah, they just all reached out. Like, this is amazing. Should we be talking to them? like, they're putting you in the database, you know, answer a few questions. You'll find out if, if they're real, but that process. So each one of our companies has an active deal room going, whether they're raising or not. Right. So in a, which is smart in a series a, we had going that, that we completed here in Boise, you know, somebody reached out, it actually ended up turning into the round that we did. And in that process, they're like, Hey, and we're like, okay, well, we'll give you access to the deal room. We need two hours to get the, everything from last week caught up. They're like, what? I thought you weren't raising money. Right. They're not, but here it is. Right. And so it's, it's, we're trying to like, you know, all those little things that that can kind of get in the way, you know, all those it's, I like to say that companies are built by a thousand 10 minute conversations, not 10, 1000 minute conversations. (laughs) Right. So, you know, like board meetings, I mean, that's just regurgitation. Right. So like uh, the way we're, because we work with 10 companies at a time. Like I talk with just about every entrepreneur almost every day about something, text, phone call, hey, Mike, I need you on this or, or Matt or you know, our other partners do as well. And and so that's how our model's set up, right? Mike, right. what does it look like to, so in that same conversation, explaining this with, I mean, obviously you're taking, for all this, taking off the founder's shoulders, you're gonna take a chunk, a bigger chunk of the company and you're gonna also have probably different options along the way that would be uncommon if there was just a safe note going around here or something. What does it look like or how do you feel about the co-investors that would come from outside of the sort of pre-established ecosystem? Is that, have you gotten pushback there or have you gotten, you know, tell, walk, just from a local, you know, participating investor, what, how, how are they looking at the... Yeah, so first of all, our terms are very, outside of paying an advisory fee, 
which covers, and like our, our whole thing is just talk to any of our entrepreneurs, see if they think that there's value in it or not. Like we're deep into our second fund. Like you're not doing anything that's not truly valuable, right? Yeah. To, to the, the entrepreneurs. And so, you know, that, that's kind of simple and you can do the math. Like it saves everybody time and money. And, um, but as far as co-investors, any, I should any experienced co-investor looks at the, looks at what we do and they're like, sweet. Yeah, because <laughs> like, it's basically wired. Like, well, they're yeah. like, yeah, they're like, okay, great. Like, I don't, I know I don't have to worry about kind of some of some of these things being done, yeah, right? And right. that, and that's also the value of when we get to Series A, Series B. Like we, in our, uh, our we our first conference we did in Seattle in 2018. You know, and this had nothing to do with us. We were in business for like seven minutes, right? So <laughs> it wasn't our brand. Yeah. But we had a conference, and we had 18 VCs from across the country show up, and I'm like, oh, like we have something here. And what's happening is, is that as companies are getting farther away from ideation and those series A's are getting, there's more risk points, right? So, you know, as we're in the process of doing a series A or series B, we have the most institutional knowledge and memory about the company. Like we can talk about the risk factors. We can talk about like, these are the gaps that need to get filled in. They're great in sales. We need help here. Like it's just, it's, we're kind of de-risking that conversation. And so, so we view ourselves having three customers, our limited partners, obviously. Yep obviously are entrepreneurs and the unobvious one are the series a and series b investors we call it x emissions right yeah, so if we can solve that problem for all three and de-risk that whole process by our involvement that's what we do so and then yeah. you know and then you know within that our term sheets i mean i some people in town have said well, you're you're how, how can you write your first team term sheet at that valuation like that company hasn't done anything like okay well this isn't shark tank like we're trying to grow a billion dollar business and you have to start at evaluation so that the founders don't get overly diluted, which we are extremely passionate about. It's why we don't take equity for our services. In a successful company, the equity is where the money's at. The money's not where the money's at. Right, right. right. Like yeah, we're just yeah, trying yeah. to do a pass through to like, okay, like we got to bring in accountants and do like do all these things. But the, the equity itself, right? So, and it's nothing against, yeah. True studio models. That's fine. It's it's great. It's it's proven to be very successful. It's just not fundamentally how we look at it and say, okay, well, we're going to take seven percent because you get to tell everyone you're a staged auto company. Like for us, we're like, eh. Yeah, you're, you're right. The eh. the management fee or what you're going to call that would be if it's a couple hundred thousand dollars in the first stage. Then that if it's successful, that that would be a nice piece of the early stage company. So you are actually probably saving them money. Um, down the road because that equity will continue to go up. So, so let's let's. I'd like to dig into that a little bit, and this could sound a little controversial, but bring I, it on, you controversial. But, but I want to be I want to be particularly it. clear to our listeners that aren't familiar with the dynamic that we're talking about. So, so you guys invest in companies, mm-hmm. usually seed round, right? Usually an amount over a million dollars, right? And usually for I, what what I think is is you know a. a healthy valuation, like you said, that that keeps a good amount of equity in the founder's hands and probably much more so than some of the other studio model examples that we've talked about, which is a differentiator. But for these services, for the operations, the accounting, some of the other things that we're talking about, you collect a regular fee, right, from the company as part of that. And I get the I get the value of it. I especially get that, you know, a lot of the people that are going through the program a lot of people who are starting companies that are going through these cycles haven't done it before. 
uh, or potentially haven't done it at a particular scale, and they certainly need help, and it makes sense to focus them on what they're good at. But what would you say to, I mean, do you have LPs who talk about like misalignment or, or with incentives of you guys collecting a fee? No, um, we're, we're up front with it. We're like, look, we, we do this because it's a better use of your capital <laughs> in trying to grow the business. We control what's going on, right? So, and you know, look, it's, it's America, right? Like you, you can either invest or not invest. So, and then we also offer some interesting value propositions that, that they can't really get in other funds. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we talk a lot of, you know, about that as well. So, um, no, we don't because we're, as you know, if you were two investors and sitting here, we say, look, we know everything that's going on in every one of our companies. We know where every penny's going. We can tell when they're they're gonna they're they're not gonna hit their milestone and it's six months out, right? And the entrepreneurs over here are optimistic because they have to be, right? They've got five, six employees that they've all left their jobs and everyone's believing in. You, you gotta come in here and, you know, at some point you're faking it till you're making it, like you're doing everything you can. You guys are been on, you know, oh, entrepreneurs, yeah. you know, like you're, that's, that's the grind. Totally. Right. right? Totally. And, and, and we're like, you know, we talk, you know, there's there, you know, everybody has, you got to pay the light bill. Like we can't, we, right. we can't offer all these services. We're not a billion dollar fund, which means you, you can't, you can't get the access and the focus that we get. And then if, if you model out how, how we do it, and the reason why, one of the reasons why we have a more concentrated portfolio, I think it's still diverse, but so if going into the series A, we model everything out. So we own in between 20 and 30% of the company, typically in between 20 and 25% through our capital, right? So the services that all the things that they have to pay for anyways, they're paying, it's like a 50% off sale, right? You're getting, you know, like Matt, Matt Poplo, you know, one of the other general partners, you ran outside investments for applied materials. Like, you know, you can go in and take a look at one of the deal rooms. It looks like a series C deal room. Like it, it's like, you're, you're good. And, and you don't, if there's going to be a problem, we're going to talk to you about it before it's a problem. Right. So, so yeah, certainly investors have to value that if they don't value that, then, then, you know, they're not going to invest. That's so really the, the, they're, cause they're looking at the more of the, obviously the return, right? So the, the return is, Usually and hopefully, maybe with some of the other angels, uh, local angels in mind, but that's that's why we're inve- that's why you're, they're investing. And so, the, as long as the outcome, um, and to what you're saying is that it would would also appear a lot more de-risked because you would not be investing into first-time founder mistakes uh, as many yeah, of them. We have. I mean, this whole thing came about because we're like, okay, we got to take over. It was in our first fund. Like, we got to take over some of these functions. Like, we can't be sitting here like knowing what to do and then letting the entrepreneur make all the mistakes. I mean, we're big believers that nothing grows in the shade, but we're on a time clock here, right? And that capital for every dollar, like we tell entrepreneurs, like how how, how big do you think your company's going to be? You think it's going to be a thousand times bigger than it is today? And they're like, yeah, you know, from a, from a, a market capitalization, I'm like, great. Then every dollar we spend is a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars, excuse me. Wow. Right. Just from a, from an outcome perspective. So let's figure out how to get this super efficient. So from consolidating, you know, we talk about, you know, recruiting right now, trying to find talent, consolidating that whole process. We drive crazy economics for our companies because, you know, we're, we're combined as one. 
So the, there's kind of a long list of you know different value adds above and beyond. Look, if you're if you're a three time entrepreneur, stage I O is not right for you. We would we say no to more companies because we don't think we're right for them than the other way around, for sure. Like our model is very specific. So right. it it kind of it it fits in that lane. But going back to one of the things for for limited partners is because we own you know twenty to twenty five percent of the company typically going into the A, we have another two and a half million that that we co invest typically around you know at, at the A. We'll also give some of that up if we can get a higher valuation. Well, that's part of kind of that investment banker hat that w- that we'll wear. But you know when when you have over twenty percent of a company post Series A. You get to keep your pro rata rights. Right. Like they don't get to move you off the cap table. And so, but we don't invest past the Series B. So we just set up SVPs and and our our and then let our our uh, limited partners invest directly into a way oversubscribed Series B they'd never get. Right. So if if you give five hundred grand to fifty companies, you're you're not even getting an email about the round. Right. Yeah, that's true. And so. So like like in our first fund was you know it was fifteen million dollars. I mean it was it was you know we started out with our capital and got through ten companies and but the overall capital committed's been thirty three thirty four million. The other there's been more capital committed in the follow on rounds not from the fund by our limited partners than the fund size. And so you know when you think about it, you're like kind of Series B and Series C even you're going to be able to keep your pro rata right. Those are those are. Ex- those are extremely valuable seats at the table. So, we we just did a Series B in in our previous fund, and um, you know we had some pretty high profile people in it, and the 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 fund that led it came in and said, okay, they looked at the cap table and they're like, okay, it's us, one other venture fund, the one that led the Series A and Stage Auto, and everyone else is out. We're like, okay, well we got to do something. We have some strategic people that are like they're not in the B. Why right. did you? Uh, so I guess the comparison that we we said in an earlier one about Pioneer Square Labs that came up, and so I guess um, the quick differentiation between Stage.O and Pioneer Square Labs would be they come up with the ideas and then go find the founders and put them in. Got it. Typically, yep. Not, you know, I mean, Greg Gottesman, he's he's guy's the founder of Rover, right? I mean, he's and he has an amazing track record from when he was at Madrona, and we've visited those guys a few times, but for us, right? Like everyone has their pain points, you know, and and what you look for when you invest. Our biggest thing is founder dilution. And we, one, we think it's fundamentally unfair for the founders to be overly diluted. And so we work really hard about that and to make sure that our capital is being treated fairly and we're getting paid for the risk that we're taking, but that the founders aren't getting overly diluted. In some studio models, and well, in most, depending on how much you take, I mean, it's kind of in between seven and 40%. If you're coming up with the idea, the studio is taking, in some cases, 40% of the company. So the math, the math for us gets hard because that's our pain point. So yeah, yeah. you know, like we're, we need, we need a, uh, we need a funding path where we feel comfortable that the founders are going to stay through series D, okay. not A or B, but through D. Right. Right. F- fair enough. And that, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. I was, you know, just from a local perspective, it was of course, like interesting and exciting for us to start building momentum here in Boise around the venture scene and the startup scene. And to to see that culminate in a fund moving to town and then making, you know, like legit 
you know, over a million dollar seed investments in in really early stage companies, which, you know, is is exciting for us and awesome. But was it scary as hell for you to like start to set up shop in a market where nobody else was making those kinds of investments? I think we felt comfortable. So, you know, I, when Devin and I first came and I was, I'll re do an age reveal here. <laughs> <laughs> but I was 49 years old when we first came. That makes me 52 now. Okay. Um, I won't make you do the math. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that we were at the point of our careers where we were like, we had both done very interesting things in the same ecosystem, bring that together. And if you looked at like some of the risk factors on why funds don't work, we had actually checked most of the boxes. This was a very organic thing that came about. And we're like, oh shit, we might have something. Yeah. So we, we had a lot of conversations about like, back to what Devin said, we're not going to stop investing. Right. So what do we want to do in between age 50 and 75, right? I mean, do we want to be chasing around an existing ecosystem or? Or begin to build, right. add, add a building into one. Yeah. And we just started having these conversations with people in Boise and the amount of time and effort from people that are committed to this ecosystem. We've invested in a lot of ecosystems. The people that just give their time here, there's not another ecosystem in the country, pound for pound, where there is from what TM does and Nick Krabs. I mean, you can go right down the line. ITC, like, you know, Blake Kent. We can, we all know, uh, we got a good idea who, who those folks are. People that decide we're going to do podcasts about entrepreneurship in Boise, Idaho. I mean, you know, like all these things kind of add up, right? Highway 12 coming here is part of the reason why we came here because they set a well-worn path, right? These, all these exits that, that have happened from these tech companies as part of the reason why we decided to come here. We knew in talking to the folks that were here that this was going to be a great play for the next 20 to 25 years. First two years, not sure. Yeah, Mike, what was the hard, like from a, and we talked about this a couple different times, but from a an outsider perspective of which that I, I, I definitely count myself of understanding and feeling some of that. Um, and I, you know, my uh, first capital experience in raising here was was definitely not what I thought it would be. I, I think I too suffered from a mentality and of, you know, uh, I'm gonna, I know how to do this better than everybody. Um, and that's just admitting kind of what my attitude was like last year, essentially. So, you know, what are some of the things that have surprised you about the resistance to something new that maybe you wouldn't have thought about before? Um, well, so first of all, I grew up in Seattle and I call Seattle, you know, the, the Boston of the West Coast. Like it's so provincial there, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like so, and I've moved from ecosystems, right? So I'll, I'll answer that in a second, but go back when Dom said, was it scary? You know, I talked about how I had moved to New York and then they moved me, uh, you know, I barely knew a stock from a bond I and mean, they moved me from New York to San Francisco because no one else would move out there, hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, so I'm pretty sure that changed. And I went back to New York and when I left JP Morgan, I said, look, I'm, you know, I'm going to go start a hedge fund. Everyone's like, you can do it in New York or San Francisco. I'm like, oh, I'm going back to Seattle. They're like, Seattle? It's like, yeah. isn't that where Nirvana's from? Like, they, <laughs> people are just, I'm like, yeah, well, there's also like a company called Amazon and Microsoft, and you might be surprised at the overall percentage of GDP that comes out of the area, but really underrepresented, you know, from a financial services perspective. And so kind of experiencing that a couple of times, I think probably gave us a little more confidence to say, well, you know, we're all affected a little bit by our past, right? Right, sure. Yeah. But, but I would say, you know, coming here, you know, like, like anything else, 
you know, there are times where, where it might have been a little bit frustrating. I think one of the things that we probably could have done better is, look, we came in just fired up to be here, right? So we're just excited. We're like, this place is like, you know, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, what are you talking about? We're like, no, no, no. Like, we invested in all these ecosystems. Like, this is going to be awesome. You know, and we're fired up. And we want to be a part of things. And, you know, so, um, and then you look, then the other thing is, is, you know, when you come in and you're telling, you have to constantly tell your story over and over and over again. So you yeah, tell yeah. your story 5,000 times and it can be perceived that you know how to do things better than everybody else, which we're actually kind of on on the opposite of, of that as far as like every time we make an investment, it's a new journey. We invest in entrepreneurs that know a hell of a lot more about what they're trying to do than we ever will. Like that's part of kind of our DNA of who we are. So we're just trying to stay in our lane. Like this is our model that doesn't work for us. I mean, I, I think that, that, you know, we got, we think our big contribution to the ecosystem is going to be the performance, right? I mean, can we get, let's get companies, more companies through series A's here. Let's, it's going to be great for the ecosystem. I listened to your podcast when you were talking about what does ecosystem mean yeah. and blah, blah, blah. You know, so it made me think a little bit and I thought, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the NFL or professional sports league. There are some times where you're competing and then there's other times, you know, where you're collaborating depending on what the subject is, right? But I do believe that having five more companies here that are doing like things like Stage.O over the long haul is better for Stage.O. Like, we don't want to be the only people in town doing this. Like, I'm out there, like, talking to competition, like, hey, have you guys thought about opening up a fund? And I'm like, you know, but I do believe that. I, you know, and I, and I think that these, the all these financings that have happened, like, that's what I talk about when I talk about Boise. I talk about Gather, right? You know, I talk about Love Every. I talk about these companies that they're not our, they're not our portfolio companies, but that's a big part. Like every one of these come tackle, like the fact that Andreessen and Bessemer are in here doing deals matters. And it matters to the entrepreneurs that, geez, can I build a business here in Boise? Can I build a venture back company? Oh, wait a minute. I can. I can. So the more I cans we have, the more shots on goal we have, and we have a specific model. You know, I mean, because of our model, you know, we can usually tell at Pitch Deck whether or not we should have a second conversation. And typically when we have a second conversation, there's a third one. Typically right. just because the, so. Yeah. So you mentioned, you mentioned that the talent pool here is a little bit of a headwind that you guys are dealing with. Do you see a solution to that? It's Well, I, the talent situation is a national problem. I actually think Boise is in a little better spot than what's going on in other places, right? Like our series B companies are like, you know, like they're, so, so when I look, I think some, you know, anytime you have, you have you know, a lot of exits, you know, people kind of move around a little bit, you know, right. And right. so there's been some exits here. Mm -hmm. There's not 10 stage dotos right now. And so it's marginally better, right. Than, than, than everybody else. But I would tell you that we actually have to have someone on my LinkedIn now kind of managing the outreach from people that don't live here that are like, I'm a project manager at Google. What do you have for me? Hmm. Got it. So like for, for people that want to move into the market. Yeah. Yeah. And hmm. then, and then also two entrepreneurs that are like, I'll move to Boise and start my company. If you'll fund me, like we're doing due diligence with someone that doesn't live in Boise. That is like, I'm, if we get through this and you fund me, I'm moving. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an, it's, it's, it's a hard market everywhere is, is kind of 
Right. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. No. I, what? Else, uh, so I know that you have you brought on Andy Scoggins from Albertsons. I, I realize that's you know he wasn't exactly um, always stocking the shelves, but any uh, in, <laughs> any interest in getting into CPG? Yeah, I'm. I'm really. I'm really afraid of it. <laughs> that's what you said earlier. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny because like the CPG scared. guys are also scared of tech. Yeah, it's <laughs> it really it scares the shit out of me to be honest with you. Like, uh, um, yeah, how come? You know, like like a mar like we like marketplaces, so they're really hard to start. They're even harder to get rid of. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah someone made an off color joke about marketplaces. That I'll just say it. It wasn't yeah. me, but I find it to be very funny. They're like marketplaces are like venereal diseases. Like you know, <laughs> once you get them, that's the, they're kind of around. <laughs> yeah, that, and uh, and, and so like kind of that that. Um, yeah, you know, it's probably the public market hedge fund investor in me. Like the worst case scenario, like I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to wake up one day and find out that a CPG got pulled off of seven thousand shelves all at yeah. once, or you know, what, whatever it may be. That being said, like I told you back at Hamburgton Quist, I traded the ice cream stocks. Right. So yeah, yeah. Dryers and Ben and Jerry's, and so it's made them send us ice cream. <laughs> every other week on the trading desk. So. It de-risks it. Yeah, it de-risks it. So. Yes, no, I think that's an interesting, because, yeah. and I've, uh, I've, I've the minute I met Dom um, as I was kind of spearheading a, a tech play um, years ago, but um, yeah, it's a, it is interesting. You see, don't see a lot of CPG guys looking into a lot of technology unless it's very consumer facing and, and sort of serves a CPG purpose. But um, it's also, you know, to us, I think it's, it's so easy to see when to clearly who winners are and who losers are early. I mean, Product market fit is very obvious. There's, it's a sport of, I would say almost entirely dominated by king makers and kings. And then, and, you know, should you have those? This, you, do you see serial entrepreneurs selling companies for a huge enterprise exits time and time again because the playbook's so replicable? And that's what we're, we've tried to bring here too is that replicable play, replicable, Re playbook? Replicable. Replicable. Yeah. There we go. Sound it out. Replicable. <laughs> clap it out. I like that. Clap it I out. like that, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Like, and, and so I totally agree with you. And if you look at, at our model, it's our model is not the kingmaker model. Like, oh, okay, well, he, they've proven they can do it. They now have the track record. They don't need stage auto. What do you need? Well, that's true. Yeah, what, what do yeah, you need yeah, us yeah. for? Right. Right? So, yeah. so it, it, that's not a, a, a one for one you know, match there, but we'll, we'll support them any way they can. That's one of those too. Like if Andy marches in and says, look, uh, you know, we need to look at this company. We're looking at the company. Okay. Right? There so, you go. You know, so we're not, I'm, that, that's, that's not a, a hard no. And, and, um, you know, I like the phrase, it's our right and obligation to change our mind. So, <laughs> you know, watch, what a, watch what our, our next company term sheet. It'll be like a CPG. All, CPG is, yeah, the, be, the, the investors after tech, they, some people want to dabble in and all of a sudden portfolios are dominated by CPG <laughs> when all the experience is in tech. It's yeah. uh, it's quite funny. What kind of, so what kind of founder says no, uh, has come to stage.o and, you know, maybe it, what, what isn't it, who isn't it right for? I know you mentioned that. So the serial entrepreneurs that that don't necessarily that might have these built-in networks or but what is the you know what entre, what founder usually is stage that not right for well usually when they just move past out of our model right and they're like they're enamored by what we do but we kind of have guardrails of where we invest we invest healthy first check yeah second check you get a valuation bump if you're in between your first and second check you're gonna have to give something up to get into our model and then, then my Catholic guilt comes in, and then everything gets fucking weird. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of how it goes down. And you know, we actually had that happen. You know, um, recently where 
And the entrepreneur is like, you know what? I, th I feel like we're trying too hard on this. And like, I totally agree with you. Like this is round peg in a square hole. Right. Hmm. You know, and it's the exhilarating feeling, feeling of helping an entrepreneur. It's so addictive, right? I mean, yeah, that's why no, it you, is like, like you guys, no, it totally like, is. that's why you guys do this and everything else. It's, it's, you know, there's this energy that's caught around us when you find something and it's, it's like, I would say kind of like, as you're, we're kind of like, there's, we're feeling a little FOMO, like, gosh, I would have met you. I wish I would have met you six months ago. That's, that's kind of, kind of typically it. So we give everybody a pretty good preview before we have a conversation about like really, you know, we're going to spend time going through the, the due diligence process. We try and move really fast. So check. So, so from like, I always say from deck to check is, you know, on average is a couple months, 45 days, 45 days. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now there'll be somewhere where like, look, we got to hang around the hoop on this one, but we're honest with the entrepreneur. We're like, we just got it. Like you're just, we'll invest at ideation, but there's gotta be some, you know, we really have to have yeah. a lot of boxes checked there. And then typically kind of like right at commercialization, like Dan to Klaus at Plextrack, right? So he had, it was, we invested with Dan. It was Dan and his dog, right? So. Did and, his dog have a healthy cut? And uh, <laughs> a healthy cut, yes. Yeah, and, yes. And a hell of an engineer. I'm sure. I mean, yeah. So, um, <laughs> and he had one customer. I can't tell you who the customer is, but um, they make shoes. And it, that that mattered, right? And so it was for a small deal size, et cetera, that's like, that's kind of like the kill zone, right? Like that's yeah. that's kind of like right where we can really be value added, and he had a lot to do because he was, you know, he he was an entrepreneur that that was also on the product side, right? I mean, he built the product, so you know, you're trying to kind of upgrade to get past MVP to get, you know, there were there was a lot going on there. We were able to take everything off of his plate, hmm. you know, and and kind no, of. No, it was a right. That was a perfect go. fit for him, given that he kind of just stepped into the things he didn't do well or, or more specifically things he would he'd rather focus on product and and sort of building well he just said yeah and yeah. and he just needed there were just a lot of you know in the in the case of Plextrack because it was he had gotten to commercialization with one employee which really helped dilution and some yeah. different things which we were so stoked about right solved that problem for us but um but yeah so now all of a sudden he had big decisions to make i mean you know that I say a thousand ten minute conversations might have been two thousand ten minute conversations, right. you know, with 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 Dan. But it, uh, that that's like a good fit for us, right? Like, we're not trying to stick our model into some place where it's not going to be value added. And so, like, kind of the final thing before we'll term sheet is we kind of have a come to Jesus conversation internally. Is that because of Catholic guilt? And then yeah, it all comes back. Yeah, <laughs> I'm product of Catholic schools the, as well. So. Yeah, it all it all it all comes back. Yeah, oh, yeah. and uh, Sister Mary, of she's a tough tough. Oh yeah. But but yeah, I mean, we, we kind of have a, this this conversation. Like, are we being honest with ourselves that we can materially affect the outcome of this company? Do we really believe that we can affect the outcome of, of this company? And if the answer is no, we say no. And yeah, you know, that's kind of our true north. You, you know, if, if if you stick to that and it's repeatable, you know, then then you have a process that works. And we're very process oriented. You know, right. and I mean, we have very close relationships with our founders. And so we, we're not going to have a disingenuous model. Well, yeah, they're mainly, I mean, it's like I said, when I, when I joined you for lunch, it's almost like a founder orphanage in there. I mean, they are literally, you're with the, you're literally coexisting mainly, if not always in the same physical structure. Yeah, it was awesome. Today I had, uh, there was a lineup of three founders, 
you know, before I have to my car yeah, come yeah. over here and they're like, and they were literally all five minute conversations. It was just like, okay, great. Get, get to be efficient. You'll be efficient. What do you think? Yeah. How do you guys think about board construction? And, well, and before, oh, go ahead, before we hop into that, I, I kind of want to jump into what might be an interesting counter example to, to flex track and, and your fit with them. I, interestingly enough, you know, we at one of my companies ended up pitching you guys a little bit. We only talked to Matt and, you know, you might've had some kind of inter internal conversation about that too, but I'm really interested in knowing, like in contrasting both of those two things, potentially at, you know, at risk of my own, you know, ego or whatever, but did you have any, any visibility yes. on how that went? Yeah, no. Um, Let's vet Dom's deal on the air. Yeah, Tear it we'll up. do it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I think for us, if I remember correctly, if I was the one that vetted it, I I would really be able to. But if I remember remember correctly, just more around the it was more on the product side, and so and what we thought that the addressable market was right. So, right. So that that was if I remember correctly. Yeah. Can, can we say the name of the company? Fair or? enough. Uh, sure. Yeah. I, yeah. It was textual. Yeah. Textual. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think, I think, well, an impression that I got from Matt, like just while we were on the call was that he just didn't see himself using it. You know, like some people want to buy products through text message and we've found that a good enough amount do, but a lot of people don't. And so, uh, you know, I think at the very least he didn't connect with that. There could have been other factors too, but you might not have had a ton of visibility on all of them. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, I wasn't on wasn't on the call, but but if I remember correctly, us talking about it was about about addressable market. So for us, we're like, the market can be you know, tiny or huge, but how how's the how do we think the market's going to value the company, right? And so, and by the way, we're not big like oh you know what if Google decides to do it? If Google decides to do anything, then the company's could be fucked, right? So yep. like that's just a risk factor across the board, right? Right. I mean, so we don't it. It, in, it's actually know, a pretty dumb excuse when people say, "Well, what if Google does it?" Um, I find that's that, a, yeah, that's well, a, in yeah. my world, it's you know, what if Coca Cola a, yeah, does that's it? A, that, and I say, large companies don't innovate; they replicate, and my, that's why they'll buy that, it. That, that's an in, that's an internal joke around Stage because like I get I get really upset when <laughs> I hear that because I I, I yeah. kind of agree with that. Like like actually, they want to have other people find product market fit, prove it out, and then they'll buy it. Yeah, I mean, that's the more that's the more typical path. In a lot of ways, it's kind of a terrible argument just from like recent experience. I mean, Google wanted to like do that and and flex their muscles and take care of all these damn social media companies that are popping out, and so they spent like half a billion dollars making Google Plus and trying to disrupt yeah. that market. And none of us are using Google well, Plus. Well, my, right. yeah, my yeah, they would have been better off buying something. Well, yeah. yeah. My answer when when investors say that is, you know, what Google does better than almost anybody is they invest, they, their VC fund is <laughs> like, what if you Google replicates your VC fund? It, that's a very poor excuse. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> we're, we're lingering in the fourth quarter here. Dom, you have any, uh, any well, final? Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested. So something, something that has come up a few times, a pattern that seems to be part of your philosophy personally is a lot of just building on what you know. And you sort of describe that as a reason why it was a little bit less scary to enter a new market with a different investment model. It also seems to be part of your, your thesis in the founders that you're choosing who are practitioners who know the industry that they're getting into, not necessarily just startup experts in particular. And you know that's that's the kind of thing that I've been learning a lot about recently, and like trying to 
trying to put into my DNA. And a lot of the a lot of the people coming from out of town, including both of you guys and, and becoming part of this market, have made a big difference on me developing as an entrepreneur just by getting that outside information. But I'm interested in, you know, you've probably gotten a lot of pitches from a lot of entrepreneurs who are in town or, or who grew up in this market. What what do you see people doing wrong more often here? Oh, oh boy, that's a good one. That is a good one. You say you Tough save one. the best one for last. Oh yeah. That's a good It wasn't my intention. Yeah. It just took me that <laughs> yeah, long to yeah. come up with it. <laughs> I don't you know. I don't know. I don't know if my opinion matters. You, you know, like the, the whole what matters to me may not matter to the next investor. I think your and, lens matters, and, though. And then, okay, I'll, I'll so take away yeah, your investor yeah, hat and just yeah, your observer yeah. teacher hat. Yeah, uh, you know, I think that um, you know to to have a clear understanding of what you're trying to accomplish. I, I think that a lot of people look at want to start companies that they think are going to work for themselves, right? So you know that I'm I'm passionate about this because I because I see me using this. Yeah. Right. Like, Oh my God, like I'll use this. And like, okay, well, but there's 8 billion people on the planet. So like we got to focus on the other 7.99999. Right. And so that's probably, you know, that's probably the, the biggest thing I, you know, I, I really stay away from like, you know, telling people not to go take risks or not to go be an entrepreneur or not like, who am I to, who am I to tell people that? Like I, I have, I have no idea. Like, so you're like, saying what's what? Yeah, you know what's right for the fund, and and yeah, that but lens. in general, in general, I think people should just be a lot more, a lot more pro, uh, focused on product market fit. Yep. Like, okay, you know, and then timing matters, right? Like, yeah, a hundred percent. You know, whether whether you're moving a fund to Idaho or whether you're starting a company, like, you know, if you're off on the, you know, Google wasn't the first search engine, you right. Know? You tell, uh, tell most, ask most people if they know what Alta Vista is. They they don't know, right? But that was one of the first. Unless searches, you were at Alta right? Vista, they know. Yeah, they know. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. But you know, so but but I think product market fit. Okay, you know, is probably Dom. What do you think from your observations? Because you're obviously a software developer. Um, what would you say is lacking, and or how would you answer that same question? You know, I I mean, I have no shortage of self criticism, and I see a lot of my most negative current and former behaviors reflected in in other entrepreneurs in the area i mean i think i think a lot of it has to do with exposure like okay so if you're starting a company in san francisco or you know san jose or something you're probably going to run into a lot of people that have been exposed to this like common knowledge that develops about like how you approach that kind of challenge, how you approach the challenge of, of getting investment. And you get like rapid fire sort of experiences that that shape how you view those outside factors and in, in a lot of these dynamics. And, you know, here in a tertiary market, especially if you were, you know, starting as an entrepreneur before 2014, 2015 here, you wouldn't have gotten that many opportunities. You would have gotten that information from books, right? From from outside sources, God forbid, from the social network movie or from Shark Tank. And so I think I think that there are just so many things about just expecting the money to be there, which, you know, I, I thought having gone through the process of making companies would have made that part easy and it wasn't for my last thing. But you know, but I, I really think it's just like that 
that ignorance and exposure. I, I think a lot more people need to seek out the painful experience of being told no and seek out the experience of, of being rejected for a specific reason so that they can like put more focus on those reasons in the future. Is that fair? Is that a I good don't know. Like, stream you, of consciousness? I think you're so good at like masking the answer and, and really well articulated that I just <laughs> you just fucking lose me. But that's all right. I think I got what you're saying. I guess I, was, I yeah, I was it was like I was like thought I was listening to a teacher because it was so well I know. spoken. I know. It, was. it felt like an insult, but well, I, I don't think know. it was a compliment. I, yeah, I think it cuts both ways. Um, <laughs> I I do have one final question. How does so we talk a lot about the mental health journey here um, of founders, and it's something that it happens to be particularly important to myself and Dom. A lot of our conversations offline uh, tend to revolve around that. How are you thinking about that relative to the portfolio founders? at stage.o. I mean, you've, you've got, you're providing a, a myriad of services. You know, what about, how much of that are, do you guys think about or, or do you feel uh, you would think about more in the future? We think about it a ton. I mean, if you go back to, you know, I wanted to be a college basketball coach, right? And so there's a, there's a mental side of that, of, of wanting to be in the foxhole and, and through difficult situations with, with entrepreneurs. And so we enjoy the the constant contact of that, and and you know there there's we talk about staying within the rails. <clears throat> the most important thing to stay within the rails is, is your mental health, whether it's too high or too low, right? Yeah. And um, you know there's some randomness, you know, to to doing this, and so um, you can't let that randomness get in the way of of affecting you know your your mental health and. You know, it's always darkest before dawn, and um, especially in this, you know, you're, you're riding the 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 ups and the downs so much. You know, every Friday in my own head, I kind of have my own scorecard because each week, you know, a company has a great week or an awful week. Yeah. Right. You know, and it's like, okay, well, this was eight and four this week. Okay, you know, next week is gonna be two and ten. Right. You know, and so, so you know, that's part of our part of our conversation in that you know, it's part of the the art of doing what we do of being next to that person but no matter what we like we'll never be close enough to feel the ups and downs that the entrepreneur feels but we'll be close enough to help do something about that to keep their uh we call it mental capital to try and keep their mental capital in line hmm. right and that you know these are not investments that's why we're not spreadsheet investors because because it's about the people for us, you know, and kind of, kind of everything, everything we do. We were asked like, why do, why do you guys win deals? That's a lot of the reason why. We spend a lot of time. Most, most of our due diligence is is about getting to know each other. You know, we're going to go on this journey together, and there's going to be really high highs, and there's going to be really low lows. You know, that's a, that goes beyond fiduciary responsibility. It goes to, it goes to human responsibility, right? So you're, you know, if if you're sitting down next to someone and they're not where they're supposed to be, you know, you have to build a trust to be able to be there and, and let them be able to tell you everything, Yeah, you know, and, and they don't feel, you know, uh, you know, alone. And it's, it's hard. I think it's hard. Like when they're out, you know, when a company is actively raising money, you know, and opinions are like, you know, what's <laughs> yeah. and, and, and really the only opinion that matters from investors an investor is not going to invest in you. You just kind of have to move on, right? And so you can take that feedback. But if you take too much of that, you lose who you are. And so we spent a lot of time like, that's fine. Like, we don't need to care about the no's. 
let's just focus on the yeses, right? And what, like, so take the no feedback. Okay, that's fine. But stop changing your pitch deck. Like, yeah, we don't hey, need to true. like, oh, this so-and-so said this. Yeah, and, well, yeah, if yeah. you did this, then, then we would have invested. The reality is, is no, they wouldn't have. Because if it was 100%. just the change in the pitch deck, yep. then they would have written the check. I've never written a check because of a pitch deck or not because of a pitch deck. So input about your pitch deck and then changing, well, maybe we got to change the whole company. I'm like, no. He's speaking to my heart with pitch decks. You know how I feel. <laughs> That's right. You I'm hate like, them. Oh, I'll cancel them at yeah. some point. Oh, there's, God, that, please. I'm going to try. I'll be, the, I'll be the vice president of that movement. Well, right. there's something profound and truly challenging in what you said. And I know we got to wrap this up, but I, you know, but it really is, it, it gets at, it's, it's really interesting to have to look at the challenge of like, what do you change and what don't you change about yourself as you're like developing as an entrepreneur and you're developing a company and knowing there's a lot of knowledge necessary to just know which things you can change, which things will make a difference, which things you should move and which feedback you should ignore. It's so it's, you know, I, I don't necessarily know that I have an answer to that, but I guess it's part of the art of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think one of the, and I know the cool music's about ready to start. It's the best music of any podcast Th I listen that, to, by thank the way. You. <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> thank you. Phen Matt's it's phenomenal. That's my only contribution to it's, the actual format. <laughs> <laughs> phenomenal. But, but I would say that you, know, you said something about, you know, what do you change about yourself? Not, and we really try and delineate between it may be your company, but the company isn't you. Right. Right. So there's things about you that you can work on. And then there's the company. And those are two different conversations. And you you can't put those together. Like, that's not that's not good. You know, so. Yeah, yeah they're, they're invest. you know, they're taking that hyper personally. And I think locally, it's probably stings a little bit more just because there is a very uh, small group per capita of people investing. So and that no um, can spread and literally in any venture uh, ecosystem a no can spread very quickly because, uh, you know, most investors seem to talk or are in the know with each other. A lot of times when one deal's pitched, you know, if you ask them three days later, it's been candidly discussed offline. So I, I do understand that. But I think to your point, it takes some experience to separate that and, and really some work to kind of figure that out. And that's hard for first time founders without any question. For sure. Especially because even, even in following that feedback, you have to walk the line of like, you know, I am the person to build this company. I am passionate about this subject, but then also like this company isn't part of my identity, you know, like that's it's hard. Not say, it's not, it's hard to be a billionaire. As someone once said, like to, you know, yeah. going through this and, and making it out the other side. I always think that I wish founders would take at least a, you know, a week crash course on investment banking because I was in that industry and it gives me unlimited firepower in being able to handle a lot of these things that, that a lot of founders get confused in. Now, I would I get stressed when I watch Dom write code. That freaks me out. Like I really <laughs> do and what he's actually doing. But uh, I don't know. This has been great, Mike. Thank you so much for coming in here. And, and finally, obviously, we have been we we have talked about and around studio models um, throughout our podcast. This is the twelfth podcast, and uh, that's about eight more than I thought we'd get through. <laughs> so, so, but that's a, I think you had some clarity to that and, and it was important. I think it is important to differentiate between Stage.O and a Pioneer Square Labs. And, you know, I think a lot of times when you come in and you write the biggest, the bigger checks in the ecosystem, um, there's going, it's, there's going to be waves that come off of that. Um, and it, it, yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it and having lived through it a little bit too, that I, I definitely have some sympathy for that. Dom, I wanted to, to stop, you know, I'm going to cancel something. 
Ah, uh, yeah. So I'm Cancel not a social it. justice warrior, Mike. Dom is by far the social justice warrior. <laughs> but we are, we're going to start and try to uh, cancel SeaWorld on behalf of the orcas. So if, if any of your founders, look at, Brett loves it, look at that. So uh, there's 21 whales in captivity here, and that's more so than any other country in the world. Our youngest daughter, Sage, is unbelievably passionate about it. Like when we drive by SeaWorld, it's like I, it pains me to drive because I know it's coming because she's extremely passionate about this. About uh, about having it go away. Captivity, yes. Oh, those poor little fins. Yeah. Oh, they're so going out of business. So, and then they, so, uh, this is a, let this end be the rally of my first cancel movement. Finally, the cancel. You know, like five <laughs> years ago, <laughs> I watched a whole documentary about how shitty SeaWorld is oh, and Brett's, how terrible it is. Yeah. Right. It's, it's called Black Blackfish. 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 That's that's the one. And now look at this bell curve. Right now we've got now we've got moderate conservative Matt Price. Anybody else? Any last shots from anybody? Well, you know, it it really made me going through your background, Mike. Really made me want to do a whole episode on the history of investing because there's a lot in there, yeah. a lot of nuance that doesn't come out to a lot of people. But we'll have to save that for another. Go time. watch the documentary. Something ventured is a great. Do it's uh, unbelievable documentary, documentary to just the, the genesis of venture capital and the guys initially peddling it around. I think that is. I have I've recommended that so many times just to get an idea where it came from. All right, I'll do yeah, it. Yeah, I, I I got one parting shot. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I mentioned this to you when when we had lunch. I always think it's interesting to um, whether it's a company or whether it's an ecosystem, whatever it is, area where <clears throat> the rear view mirror looks different than the windshield, and that's always daunting, right? Because there's there's this experience and. You know, when people ask why why did you come to Idaho, we weren't sure, but in our in our car, the rearview mirror looked different than the windshield, and you know we're we're proud to be here and and uh, and you know you know do our part. So, really appreciate you guys doing the podcast for starters, because these things are important. You know, it's 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 all these things that are happening in this ecosystem that that add up and really matter. So, appreciate you guys having me and. And, um, and he gave that one thought. I always like to throw Dom that one thought-provoking, <laughs> hyper, you know, the one you have to think about. And Mike, you know, you did it for us today. Yeah. Dom, nice. It that was excellent. That was good. Yeah. No, we're, we're glad to have you. And I think, uh, you know, just having, again, you have it. The state Soto hasn't really been able to or hasn't yet gone out and really talked a lot about these nuances. And I appreciate you coming on here and doing it. And especially given that we, you know, again, there's a lot of mystery, mystery about any but new big check writer and... And so I appreciate you coming on and, and having this conversation with us. You bet, guys. Anytime. Awesome. Yeah. All Thanks. Right, there it is. <laughs>